Well, hello again, friends. Welcome to Vineyard Altoona. My name is Derek. I'm the co-senior pastor here. And uh, before I dive into today's message, I just want to make one reminder. Uh, these messages have been posted every week at 1030. Uh, beginning next week, we're going to record them live in our services. And so uh, for those of you who listen at home, they'll be posted a little bit later Sunday afternoon. Um, just so you're aware, uh, for those of you I know who listen to this at the normal 1030 slot. Uh, so I, I just want to begin, you know, this is uh, it's a very exciting time in the life of our church. It's so exciting. You know, after seven and a half years, finally, I feel like Vineyard Altoona has a home. Don't you feel that way? Isn't this exciting? We're, we're in this new building, uh, and this feels like home. And what a home it is. I mean, we're not the first people to inhabit this building. In fact, actually, we're stepping into what has been a significant legacy of ministry in this building. You know, for many decades, this building was home to Pleasant Valley Assembly of God. And then most recently, uh, this building was home to Center City Church. And as we begin to make this our home, I think it's important to begin by recognizing that we're actually not beginning something new, but we're building on a legacy of churches committed to the ministry of Jesus Christ. That what we're doing as we get started in this new building is actually building on a legacy that's already been started here. And I think it's helpful to ground ourselves in the reality that God has been at work in this city before any of us got here. And unless Jesus comes back first, he will be at work here long after we're gone from this place. Now, the reason I think it's important for us to talk about it today is that this orients us appropriately. It orients us correctly. You know, God has invited us into his mission. You know, we talk about the mission of Vineyard Altoona, but in all actuality, it sits as a subset of the mission of God, which he has invited us into. He's not helping us accomplish our mission. It's his mission. And so it's not all about us. It's about him. So when we think about a building, this is not like some great reward this is actually the furthering of God's mission and his invitation to us. You know, as excited as we are to have this building, as excited as we are, uh, you know, as we think about what God is going to do on September 26th with the grand opening, and then beyond that, with the vineyard in Altoona, as excited as we are, the reality is that all of it exists to further and serve the mission of God in the world. We serve Him. You know, this building isn't given to us because He wants us to be comfortable. This building is, is not given to us uh, because uh, He just thought, you know, we really could use a little bit more space. No, God gave us this building because He intends us to use it to serve His mission. You know, to bring more and more people into relationship with their Heavenly Father. That's the point. It's important to pause and intentionally and definitively resolve again 
that we will serve the Lord. That when we think about this church, as we think about uh, how we orient ourselves and think about what we're going to do as we think about the future, it's important that we pause again and recommit ourselves to serve the Lord. So today what I want to do is I want to look at at a a sort of uh, ceremonial recommitting to the Lord in Scripture uh, as we ourselves today recommit ourselves to the Lord. And so I want to pray, and then we're going to take a look at Scripture. Would you pray with me? And so, Father, I am so grateful for your faithfulness. I'm so grateful, God, that you have been at work all along. I'm so grateful, God, that you have invited us into your mission. And, Lord, I pray that you would find us faithful. That God, as we step into this new season of Vineyard Altoona, as we step into a new season as a church, Lord, we would be committed to your mission in the world. God, that we would see this building as just a tool to further serve you. God, would you meet us? And I pray, God, as I open this passage... And as as we look at Scripture today, and as we look at uh, the ways that people have recommitted themselves to you, God, that you would stir our hearts. God, that you would prick our hearts. And Lord, that we would be convicted again that we serve only at your pleasure, God. That everything we do is to serve you. Would you enable me, God, to speak as I should? And I pray that you would put power on this message in Jesus' name. Amen. So today I want to look at Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24. If you've got a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. And what I want to do is I want to follow Joshua 24 as a model of our own recommitment to again serve the Lord. Okay, we're going to look at this passage really as a model for how we're going to also commit to serve the Lord. Now, let me give you a little context. You know, most of us probably haven't sat and read Joshua for days and days on end. But let me give you a little context. You know, the Israelites, God's chosen people, had waited for a land for a long time. If you read from Genesis on, Genesis 15, God promises Abraham that uh, he will give him a land and a people. It's, and so there's this great covenant. But Genesis 15 is like five to 600 years before Joshua. So when we get to Joshua chapter 24, there's like five to 600 years of the history of Israel. You know, Abraham had this child, Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob became uh, Israel. Israel had a son named Joseph. Joseph ends up rescuing his family to Egypt in the midst of a famine. And then the Israelites end up enslaved in Egypt for 430 years. And they cry out in their agony of being enslaved. And after 430 years, God raises Moses to lead them out from captivity in Egypt. They get led out and they're on their way to this promised land. They're following the the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. And they're on their way and they grumble. And so they end up wandering in the desert for 40 more years. And right before they get ready to go into the promised land, we've been waiting for generations. 
Moses says, I'm not going to be able to go with you. And he commissions Joshua. And Joshua leads the Israelites into this land where they conquer the people who occupy the land for centuries. They had been looking to this day when they would have their land. And at the end of all of this, we find that God has finally made good on his promise to Abraham. Now, finally, Israel has a place to call their own. A place that God had given them. And so Joshua calls together the tribes of Israel to recommit themselves to serving the Lord because the way that we move forward is different than the way that we've existed in the past. That there's a shift in how it is that God intends us to function in the world. And so we recommit before we step into this new way. And so Joshua says, we're going to recommit to the Lord. And friends, this sounds so familiar. It's kind of our story. We've waited so long for a place to call home. And now that we're here, we recommit. That we're we're saying, yes, Jesus, in this new place, in this new way, we do want to serve you. That's what we want, friends. And so... We're going to just sort of like track with Joshua. And the first thing that Joshua does when he calls them all uh, uh, around, what he does is he begins by recounting all the ways that God has gotten them to this place. I'm not going to read the first 13 verses, but you can read it. It's basically what I just told you, the quick summary that I just gave you. And Joshua tells the story of all the ways that God has moved on their behalf. And the point of recounting all these things, it, it really sums up in verse 13, which reads like this. Verse 13 says, So I gave you a land on which you did not toil, and cities you did not build, and you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Why does Joshua recount all the ways God was moving in the story of Israel? So that when they settled in the land, there would be no doubt that it was a gift from God. Friends, there's a real temptation as we move into this building that we would believe that somehow we've arrived. That we've waited so long for a place to call home. And now that we've gotten here, we've made it. We've worked so hard. We've endured so much and now finally it's all paid off and we finally accomplished what we set out to have, a building to call home. This is a temptation. And the tragedy in seeing it this way is that if we somehow believe that we've earned this place, by somehow we've added up all of our trials and our suffering and our our wandering in the desert as it were, that, that somehow we would see this place Uh, As something we've earned, something that we deserve, and we'll rest on our accomplishments. Friends, I think we're standing at a spot in the history of Vineyard Altoona where we can either say, we're resting from all of the things we've done. Or we can say, this is the beginning of a new chapter and a new era of ministry in this church. I think we have a choice to make. I think that's where we are.
And that's the choice all of us have to make. Will we settle into comfort and drift into irrelevance and ultimately cease to exist? Or will we choose to see this as the next chapter in the ministry God has called us to be a part of? Friends, the only way to guard against this is to see this building as clearly God-given and as God's next invitation to the way that we're going to participate in his ministry in this city. He is resourcing us for how he intends for us to participate in what he's doing. I don't know how you think about this building. I don't know how you think about the time Uh, that it took for us to get here or the ways that God has moved to get us here. You know, I think about times like uh, when we first started, we were small groups and, you know, we we were meeting in in our house and it turned out, you know, we have kids and and we needed a place and God led us to this place uh, where we were meeting at New Life. Those of you who were here remember that. And we were meeting as small groups and it became clear that it was time for us to start a worship gathering, a Sunday morning worship gathering. And as we sort of like looked for places and there was all kinds of a sense uh, that, that, you know, there wasn't a place for us and there wasn't a place that we uh, could afford. I mean, we had never taken an offering. So we didn't even know what we could afford and all the places that were so expensive until God provided for us a place in the train station. And friends, we filled that place and we did ministry in the city uh, in the name of Jesus to the best of our ability. We served the Lord in the train station. And we got to a place where we had filled that space. And and many of you know that I've struggled to sort of understand uh, the move that we made in 2019. That the, the idea that we had was, hey, let's just move to a space where we're able to grow more. And some of you know some of the struggles but, and the ways that I've sort of wrestled with that and, and that decision. But the reality is, is when the pandemic set in, we had a place to meet outside. And then as we moved toward the fall of 2020, you know, last year, the pandemic had, you know, we, we wanted to be a community where we, we continued to function in community, but we wanted to be responsible and, and not, you know, mass transmit COVID spread. And God gave us this idea to move into churches and homes that we could be in communities where we mitigated the spread. God had been at work. And then when it came time that we wanted to meet again in this past spring, and we didn't know how many people were going to come back. We didn't know what we could afford to do. And God provided a space at the Salvation Army. And many of you know we've been hunting for a place to meet for months. And even as recent as two weeks ago, when we announced we were moving into this place, it still wasn't 100% locked down. And yet God has provided a place. Friends, I don't know how you think about the history of this church. I don't know how you think about that. But I think when we take stock of it, it's so clear. 
that God has been at work. That every step of the way, when we thought that the road had come to an end, the Lord provided a way. And friends, as we move now and we see this place, in light of everything that God has done in the past, we see this place as the next phase of the things that God is calling us to do. It's so clear that this is not a reward for past suffering, that we finally have earned something, but this is an invitation from the Lord to serve Him in a new capacity, and in a new place. Joshua reminded the Israelites of God's faithfulness so they would understand that the land he had given them was to be used for his purposes. But then he challenges the Israelites right after that. In light of the fact that God has given you this land, the question is, will you serve him in it? The second thing Joshua does is he calls the Israelites to decide again to serve the Lord. Look at verse 14 with me. Verse 14 says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestor or your ancestors' worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. The Israelites had committed to serve the Lord over and over again. If you read the first five books of the Bible, you'll discover that there are several instances where God calls the Israelites to commit again to him. And every time this happens, what what is happening is God is calling them to meet with him or to serve him in a new way. It's as if God says, things are about to change. Will you serve me in light of the change? Here in chapter 24, the call Joshua issues is because God intends the Israelites to serve him in a new way. God is giving the Israelites a home that they haven't had before, where they had been a nomadic people and had learned how to serve the Lord as nomads. God is now calling them to serve the Lord as residents in this place. It's as if God is saying, I know you've committed to serve me before, but now, that, now uh, I want, that I want you to do it from this new place, in a new way, will you still do it? You know, we've talked a lot in this church about you know, giving your, your, your yes at the beginning and then never reevaluating. And yet over and over and over again, God says, will you still say yes? I think the invitation to the Lord of, uh, for us in this season is just this. Will you still serve me now? You know, we've been a nomadic people. We've met in seven different places in seven different years. You know, we've learned how to be the vineyard and the body of Christ 
in so many different places and in lots of different situations. You know, we've learned how to engage the world around us in small rooms and in small groups. We've learned how to serve the Lord in the train station. We've learned how to serve the Lord in a school, in houses. And as the vineyard, I think we've learned how to engage in the mission regardless of the the temporary nature of our surroundings. But I think the challenge of the Lord and the invitation of the Lord to us is this. In light of all that we've seen, in light of all the ways that God has moved in our midst in the past over the years, will we choose now to serve him still in this place? Will we choose now to serve the Lord now that there's a place that we call home? And the reason I think this is significant is because it will be different than it's been in the past. That there's going to be things in this place that are different than the way they used to be. You know, when Joshua calls the Israelites to commit, look at what happens. Verse 16. This is a real weird thing, right? So verse 16 says, Then the people answered, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from the land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. And you would think, you know, great celebration, you know, let's. Let's have a a barbecue and and just, you know, celebrate pool party. We're going to have a good old time. But Joshua says, hold on a minute. Verse 19, Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after all or after he has been good to you. Joshua says, hold on a minute. Let's not get wrapped up in all the excitement. Count the cost. He says, you've demonstrated time and time again that you've had a hard time being obedient to God. Do you really want to do this? He says, count the cost. You know, we're standing at the threshold of the next season. In the life of our church, you know, it's it's uh, going to be different because our ministry assignment is different. I don't know if you've looked around at this room. This church has never had a room that could that had this kind of capacity. This church has never had. Uh, I don't know if you've wandered through this building, but there's enough rooms in this building that everybody in this church could have their own room. Everybody in this church could have their own row. And I don't know how you process that, but the fact of the matter is God didn't give us this building because he felt like we needed to have enough space for everybody to spread out. God gave us this space because he intends us to use it to reach lots of people in this city and connect them to Jesus. God intends us to see people encounter Jesus, be set free from hopelessness, and become kingdom people in this generation who care passionately about seeing people come into the kingdom. The reason there's so much space for chairs in this room 
is because God intends us to bring people to him in this room. He gave us this space because we're going to need it for our ministry assignment. You know, I don't know if you've wandered down to the kids' end, but there's so many kids' rooms. God gave us this space because he intends us to reach many children and connect them to Jesus. God intends us to equip the next generation to be kingdom people in our city, to bring kingdom solutions to worldly problems. The ministry assignment God is giving us is so much larger than we've ever imagined. And at this moment, even though it's exciting, I want to challenge us to count the cost. Because there will be a cost. There's always a cost to doing effective ministry in the kingdom of God. And for some of us, these may be costs that we would not pay for anyone in the world. There's not a person in the world who could get us to pay these costs. But if God asks, we will. There are costs, and I don't know if you've thought about that. But today, before we launch off into all the excitement that this building brings, today I want us to count the cost. Some of the costs God may ask us to pay is that there may be a cost that we don't know everybody who comes on a Sunday. You know, one of the things that has been, uh, I think, so amazing about this church is the level of community that we have. That on Sunday morning we show up and we all know each other, and it's like a little family, and yet God wants us to expand the family. And it may mean at times that you're not going to know everybody. That's a cost that we're going to have to pay. It may feel like things get too organized. There's too much structure. You know, we have this, all these structures in place. But the, it's the cost of seeing more people be able to grab on to the family here. That when we plan events, we make more structures, more ways for people to on-ramp. We make more spaces for people to get connected in community. And maybe you liked the way that everything was free-flowing, and yet we're going to have to organize a little bit. Maybe it starts to feel like things are more formal than they used to be. Is This just feels too formal. Maybe you really liked the fact that everything was sort of informal and spontaneous all the time. And I'm not saying we're going to get, like, become stiff, but I'm saying that for people to get a hold of what we're doing here, we're going to have to organize a little bit better. I mean, there may be others, right? There may be other costs that the Lord invites you to pay. But the call to choose again who we will serve means we count the cost. That's why it's so important that we begin with how God has moved in our past. It's how we know that we can trust Him to move in our present and in our future. Joshua says, count the cost. And the final step that Joshua calls the Israelites to is to recommit to serve the Lord and to lay down their idols. Look at verse 23. It says, now then, Joshua said, 
Throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. I want you to consider what just happened. Even though the Israelites had been following God to the land that he would give them, all along serving the Lord, Joshua still knows that they've brought with them the foreign gods. And so as part of their recommitment to serve the Lord, Joshua tells them to throw away the foreign gods. He does this because he knows that if we keep the foreign gods, it's just a way to hedge our bets, to make sure we have a backup plan. That we're holding, they're, they're holding on to things just in case God doesn't come through in this new situation. And if Joshua lets them hold on to their foreign gods, the Israelites will never completely trust God because they'll know they have a backup plan. Another term uh, for this idea of a foreign god as an idol, and essentially Joshua is telling the Israelites to lay down their idols that they can serve the Lord wholeheartedly. You know, as excited as we are for what God is going to do in this place, as excited as we are for, for how the Lord is going to move, the fact of the matter is we all come in with our own idols. We all come in with our own ideas. Even if we're not aware of them, we all come in with our own stuff. You know, John Calvin was one of the, the fathers of the Protestant Reformation. He said, the human heart is a factory of idols. That we latch on to things and we make them ultimate things. We all have them. Maybe it's the smallness of a church that the only real church is a small church. Maybe it's the, the, the you know, sense of like, oh, if there's, if there's stage lights, that's not real church. Maybe it's the sense of, uh, you know, the, the structure that we have to put in place. There's all these things that, that we maybe latch on to and we say, this is what church is. What's so important in this moment is that we acknowledge that we have them and we lay them down. Because if we don't, it will keep us from serving the Lord wholeheartedly. We all have them, friends. It's not a matter of if I have them. It's a matter of what are they. And so as we begin our journey, the exciting journey in this new location, I want us to pause now. Recommit to serve the Lord. And allow him to remove our idols. What are they for you? What are the idols that you're carrying with you that are going to keep you from wholeheartedly serving the Lord in this place? And as we wind this up today, I think we need to take some time. Allow the Lord to search our hearts. And lay down the idols that we've accumulated. It's the only way that we're going to be able to do the things that God is calling us to do in this place.